So welcome back to Thrive, your agency resource. This week, we're gonna get really deep, really fast. We're gonna talk about how we as agency owners assess our own happiness, which is a really interesting discussion. Um, my guest and friend is Becky Wang, founder of Crossbeat in New York City. And as a side note, Becky's actually gonna be featured in the new book that I'm writing. So we'll talk about that another time. But Becky, thank you so much for being on the show today. Kelly, such a pleasure, thank you. So I think the easiest way to start this pretty broad conversation is through literal assessment, um, especially because you're a science and data nerd just like I am. Um, so let's kind of go with metrics first and talk about you know things about like uh, wanting more money year after year over year and number of employees and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, of course. So. Um... I think whatever metrics you have for success, they're they're tied to a goal, right? And um, if and it often starts with what was your goal of going into business for yourself, or the goal may have been um, I want to do more great work. And whatever that goal is can obviously change over time. Right. Um, so it's always important to just be clear on why. And some of those are, well, if it's to make more money than you were making as a creative director or a head of strategy or a, um, or you felt like you weren't raising the ranks fast enough, then money is absolutely a sort of external tangible metric, right, to see how you're doing. Um, if it was, I want to work with more teams, it might be the number of projects or uh, the the diversity of projects, right? Instead of being on, you know, a single Verizon account or just large brand account, right? Um, a lot of those external metrics too can be, you know, how many days of vacation did I get to take? Um, or how many employees I have? Um, so I you know, I think we have metrics that are thrust upon us by external expectations or when we say to someone, oh, I have an agency that has 35 employees, um, that's meaningful to other people. Um, I know for myself, uh, it was in the early days, it was, yeah, we, you know, we've only been around, you know, X number of weeks and we we already have 12 employees. Like that was that was meaningful. It meant scale right away. Whereas now I'm actually very proud of the fact that we keep um, fewer people on staff, have a strong set of partners, um, and but I have more, you know, blue chip or Fortune Fortune 500 companies to uh, say that are my clients. Right. It's different. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we're talking about external, right? But then we also have to bring in the internal factors of how we assess our own happiness. But your contention from our previous conversations is that you really need to have both and you need to acknowledge both. So why is that so important? Yeah, what a what an awesome question. Um, you came up with it. I think that's <laughs> true. I'm like, good job, everybody in the room, everyone in the room. Um, I, I think... I think as entrepreneurs and as as agency owners, right? Why why did we cho choose whether it's creative services or communication services, right? Um, is uh, is it says something about us, right? 
whether we go against the grain or we are leaders in our field or we're incredibly independent, the reason I think internal factors matter or internal metrics is because if you don't have them, sometimes it's difficult to allow yourself to evolve and change, right? right? So your internal metric may be, wow, the day went really quickly and I feel great at the end of the day, right? Like I just feel like I've worked really hard and, um, and I feel a sense of satisfaction, right? Or even, um, uh, you know, I really today got to mentor someone, um, and they saw the world, this person here, she saw the world just a little bit differently. I think those internal metrics are important because it allows you to get closer to the things you value, but you can say, you know, this thing, this external thing, making lots of money, uh, doesn't feel the same. Right. Right. So if you just stick with the external metric by all means, by all sort of logical reasons, you should still feel great the more money you make. But so many of us, you know, can reach that point and realize, you know, actually reaching reaching $10 million was incredibly satisfying. Reaching $20 million was less satisfying because of, and I think, you know, it could be, you know, how much more time you had to spend, or maybe you didn't surround yourself with the team that you wanted. More or money, the culture more isn't what <laughs> Absolutely. So that's why I think it's important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when we last spoke, you brought up a great point that agency, agency leaders need to really be asking themselves, do you want to be managing people or do you want to actually be doing the work? You know, so what's been your evolution in answering that own, that particular question? Yeah, um, I think that's uh, for me in the uh, early days, um, doing creative work that could be attributed to my name was much more important. And what I realized was that uh it was never attributed to me. Every time I ran a team, there was always, you know, there was a technical director or a art director or a, a UX strategist or designer who contributed to it. And what I've realized was um, I thought I was one thing. I thought I wanted to be an individual contributor. And yet in the framework of leading teams, not even starting a business, but leading teams first and then starting a business, realizing that actually, no, I really enjoy the that process. And I could never really attribute it to my name, though I could attribute it to Crossbeat and say, yeah, Crossbeat. Crossbeat made this, mm -hmm. but that I really love the the sort of partnership feel to it. And so, of course, it was never going to be just individual contribution. Um, that's not true for everyone. A lot of people can be individual contributors and be the best creative director or best technical creative technologist and not have to be the one that was leading it. Okay. What I discovered in the process was as I was putting these teams together, it was actually more interesting for me to run the business. Mm. Because I think when you run a business, you start to think about things uh, as, well, does this really work? And and what I mean by work is did not, did it make more money, but did it work as a thing that inspired conversation or something that inspired beauty? Um, and 
more importantly, I realized that I actually liked working with the same people or, or I liked, uh, I liked the fact that I could see how different people added to the team could change the outcome. Right. And that I think is about running a business. Um, and running a business can, it is not, it is about optimizing. It's about saying, okay, there's a market. I sell to those people. I market to those people. I serve those people, but I also have to, uh, take care of my employees and make sure they stay and understand the true cost and value of their labor. And that's very different than coming up with awesome taglines. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you have to, I think you really have to like that process. Um, and the moment I realized that my business could actually impact community was when I was sold on it. When mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I have this merry band of, you know, misfits and we can like do things together and we can donate a portion of our profits to, um, a charity or, uh, that piece is what I what I think I most enjoy. Right. So there was a, a social good or a, some kind of give back initiative, a CSR initiative associated with the business that helped you to define success and therefore happiness. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And also just um, taking care of people, yeah. you know, not just clients. Yeah. I not felt the same clients. way in my agency. I felt like my, I've said this before, my employees were my kids. I don't have children, but I felt very responsible for them. You know, they were paying yeah. mortgages and having babies. And there was something that from the egoic side, I was like, wow, I'm able to help them to fulfill their own personal goals and dreams. But I definitely felt a sense of happiness that I was, you know, just just able to impact their lives in that way. So, yeah, it's, it's just a great discussion. What what really what does happiness mean to each of us? And I think we all have very different definitions. Um, so let's talk about the role that purpose plays in happiness and, and what, is, what is your thought on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that, uh, well, there've been so many scientific studies, right. That say, uh, a sense of purpose and autonomy, um, and, and independence are the critical factors of, um, I think true happiness, right. Yeah. Um, for me, purpose can function on multiple levels, right? Uh, I realized one day, uh, actually not so long ago, that I was fulfilling my larger purpose, even if on um, a smaller scale, I sometimes felt like, oh, I'm spending too much time doing accounting or things like that, right? right. And I think it's the intersection of all of those small and big circles of purpose. And when I talk about those bigger and smaller uh, intersections of purpose that uh, help me sort of assess how I, it help me understand um, the things that I can do to um, maintain happiness, right? So um, to answer the question more directly, I think that, uh, when you feel, so I think purpose is sort of that, um, you know, in, in our, many of our brand architectures, right. Our brand purpose sits below vision and mission, mm. right. 
Um, and the purpose is that thing that we do every day, right? Um, and, and it doesn't have a metric per se involved the way like maybe a mission would. Right. And it's about a future vision of the world the way a vision might be. And what I really like about that, if if we're gonna if we're gonna assign those roles to those words, right? A lot of people say no, a purpose is more like a vision. Or so, just if we agree on on that's the idea of what purpose is. Um, what I like about it is that it's an everyday thing, mm. right? And I've recently become obsessed with this idea of like, you know, I have so many people, especially brilliant strategists. Um, younger than me coming through um, either working on projects or interested in working on projects that Crosby is leading. And every single one of them uh, has sort of the same sort of affliction I did and still struggle with, which is we want to be thinking deep grand thoughts all the time that change the world, <laughs> right? We want to write them in pithy ways that people are like, oh my God, mind blown, right? <laughs> and we want to be all the time because that's what we're good at right. right and we think that that's our purpose and I always have to tell um these um young bucks um that actually the time scale is much smaller that when they feel like they're like oh, I'm not getting it or uh that that striving to like encapsulate and capture in the moment um, you actually need to move everything down to the time scale of in the moment, right? The beautiful thing about these like strategies that we write is that it feels like this moment where everything gets pulled into focus and we're like, ah, oh, that's the thing. But if you can't operationalize it or make it a thing that you do every day or put it on a scale time scale or in a way that people can have success with whatever that grand vision is every day, then it's forever in the future. And you, you're going to start looking at it like, oh, I'm never going to achieve it. Mm. So then why bother? Yeah. So to me, the way you structure your purpose statement is really important. And the time scale is, can I achieve portions of it every day? Right. It's and a practice feel, like anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And so if our purpose is to be happy and help other people, yeah, I can do that every day, right? Um, if our purpose is to um, communicate uh, uh, communicate um, whatever for the benefit, you know, communicate a, a brand story for, um, you know, to help that company make more money, but to also resonate in customers' lives, right? That's wonderful. Are you doing that every day, right? In, in some way. Yeah. Are you doing it for friends, your family, et cetera? And I think when we can go to bed at night and say like, yeah, like I did my, I did my thing today. Um, that's, I think, what makes us happy, Yeah. right? And I also think that it's it's bigger than what we do for a living. It's bigger than our livelihoods. You know, it has to be because when people die, they don't talk about, you know, hey, so-and-so worked for 30 years at this company. They don't even mention what they did for a living. They mention their family, their friends, what they did in their community, volunteer efforts. They, they talk about who they were. 
Um, and so I tend to think of purpose a little bit differently, maybe not differently. I just think of it as bigger and almost um, potentially pulled apart from the work that we do or our careers. I think our careers can be part of that for sure. Um, they can be a portion of it. They can be a part of the puzzle that all fits together with purpose. But I, I look at purpose as, you know, if I'm not being driven every single day, like you just said, toward this thing that makes me happy on a really deep soul level, like, what am I doing? You know, so it makes me question a lot. I really love that. And I think that that's when, you know, this is a strategist in me speaking, right? So when you talk about what's that thing that I'm achieving every day and to what end, I think vision becomes really important, right? Can you, and then that's where like some of these metrics come in, which is I see the, I, I have a state in mind for the, the things outside of me that I want to achieve and what are the ways that I can do it with all of me, right? So how do you treat your interpersonal relationships, right? Um, or, or like, how do you take care of your mind, body, and spirit, right? Like there's, uh, I mean, I, I, what I'm saying is I 100% agree with you, right? And as agency owners, I think we often think, oh, it's all in the context of work and it's all in context of the business. But I think when we think about it in the way you're describing, those employees you have could decide that in their purpose they need to leave. But that doesn't, if, if you don't say goodbye or allow them to fulfill their purpose and understand that their purpose for now is taking them away from you, okay. if you're able to meet it with, I think, this like open sense, they could come back. That's actually one thing I learned at Droga 5. People would always come back to Droga. And I'd be like, that's so fascinating, right? Like, how is it that he was able to achieve that? And I think part of it is because his purpose was deeper than, you know, make Droga 5 the biggest agency in the world. I think he really wanted to work and nurture creative talent, right? Right, yeah. So as we start to wrap up a little bit, I'm actually wondering about um, the the thing on my mind is, does geography play any part in happiness or assessing our own happiness? I mean, you and I are both New Yorkers. Um, I wonder, would this be a little bit of a different conversation if you were living in, you know, San Diego or Denver or, you know, just somewhere other than New York? Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, I think it depends on, obviously it depends on every individual, um, what the answer to that is. I think for me personally, if I lived on the West coast, um, I would, I wouldn't probably, it would imply that I had different priorities for myself, but that's not true of everybody who lives on the West coast. So I just want to be super clear, right? Right, right? Like it's not the place. It's and in that place. Right. I mean, I love the hustle and bustle of New York. I love the, um, there is forever a stream of cultural and intellectual activities, really oceans of experiences to plug into. I really, really love that. Yeah. Um, I get burnt out on it sometimes and think I really need a place upstate. <laughs> Come on <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Um, so yeah, and I think that uh, we in New York bounce off each other on what success looks like, right? To bring it back to what, what our original 
original circle or original conversation. Um, what I've found having now been here more than 10 years is there's a sub community of successful entrepreneurs where, um, they have foregone the cost of infrastructure of supporting many, many employees because they recognize that the people that they really want to work with don't operate on a paycheck system anymore. Right. You know, right. they work on an entrepreneurial system and want to have the flexibility to go in and out. Um, so, yeah. Maybe that's I think part of happiness also, you know, just in terms of um, creating a different um, livelihood, a different approach to how you bring in money. You need to bring in money to live. We all do, right? But yeah, I think that there are just creative, more creative solutions. Um, I was watching, what was it? Uh, Master Chef Junior the other night. And the little boy said, I either want to open up a restaurant or I want to be a food blogger you know, and go around the world and, and be a food blogger. And I thought to myself, this eight-year-old kid, that's amazing. Like, in his mind, he doesn't have to be a doctor or a lawyer or a firefighter or those traditional paths, right, or the things that we thought of when we were young. Now, this eight-year-old kid says, happiness to me would be going around the world, tasting food, talking to people, writing about it, and sharing that with others. And, like, I don't know, it just hit me in a way that, it's just interesting how we have such creative solutions to how we how we live and how we really live our purpose. Yeah, absolutely. And what I love about the way you said that too was it was something he did, not a not a label. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He wasn't a chef that he's like, I want to do this thing. Right. And there are many shapes for it. Right. Exactly. Right. So I'm totally agreeing with what you're saying. I just uh, using the language of like like what's the shape? Yeah. Or what's the thing you do that makes the shape? Yeah, yep. Well, Becky, I'm so grateful for our conversation today. I think this will really resonate with a lot of people um, who are maybe starting to question these things in their own lives as agency owners. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk. Thank you. Always a pleasure. I hope to see you soon. Okay. This episode has been brought to you by Workamajig, the number one creative agency management software. Show notes at thrive.workamajig.com. Find out how your creative agency can become more productive and more profitable. Schedule your demo at thrive.workamajig.com.